Hi there. Welcome to Vignettes, the Emerging Writers Festival podcast. My name is Ruby and I'm the Artistic Director at EWF. I'm coming to you from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Life, death, healing, hydrating, water is all these things, symbolically and literally, and so much more. In this final episode of our autumn series of vignettes, we've invited three writers to share with us their thoughts on waves and whirlpools and waterways. Let's dive in. First up, we have Natalie Crum. Yama, I'm Natalie. Gamilaroi Yina speaking to you from Darawal Country. I pay my respects to Darawal Country, elders past and present, and give thanks for the ability to live and thrive on this beautiful country. As an Aboriginal girl growing up in rural Australia, time on country with family was my safe haven. I didn't need my guard up. I was home with my family among all that was beautiful about my country. The rolling hills that lead to the Warrumbungle Ranges, the powdery red dirt that was the consistency of sand that felt so comforting between my toes, the feeling of smelling the trees and the morning frosts that awakened my lungs, knowing the day ahead with my cousins and siblings was going to be a good one. I remember the beauty of swimming in the Castlereagh River and the taste of yellow belly, fish on country, the sound of water lapping at the edges of the river, the feel of it between my fingers as I stroked through the water and the feel of my skin after I had dried off. The water on country was something as intrinsic as air to our survival and lifestyle. It was not just for drinking, but it was part of our lifestyle, our activities, and for countless generations, the Aboriginal communities that lined the Murray-Darling Basin have not only protected waterways by actively participating in coordinated environmental management with other clan groups. But ceremonies have taken place, reinforcing the importance of and respect for water in its most natural state. The Castlereagh River is part of the Murray-Darling Basin, and I have watched it worsen over recent decades. It is not the only waterway in this basin that has been devastated. To think that in my lifetime things could deteriorate in this way is sobering and speaks to the urgency of this crisis. A landmass cared for and managed since time immemorial now sits on the brink of irreversible devastation. First Nations in this country have the oldest living cultures in the world which have sustained and been sustained by this land called Australia. Protecting country is an essential part of culture and survival. From 1788, the British colonisation of Australia marginalised Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities from land and water resources and traditional rights and interests. This marginalisation has harmed not only First Nations, but the land and water itself. The land was cleared to make way for settlements, the rivers, the lakes and even certain locations within the sea were depleted of fish as the invaders netted large catches, kangaroos were hunted unsustainably, and the waterways were polluted. Aboriginal people's existence was never to be the same, as loss of family, ceremony, free movement and activity 
on our land became something that was persecuted. In came the invader with law and gun to strip us of our law and lands. It is difficult to express how essential to our being that the land and waterways are. We require them to ensure sustainability of life, but are equally bound to serve in their protection and preservation as our cultural responsibility. Since invasion, that responsibility was stripped from us and we have watched on with our hearts and our throats as the destruction of both have taken place. Although we still have water practitioners able to care for and restore our waterways, their ancient expertise is being ignored in favour of corporate interests. In the early months of 2019, the Darling River sustained two mass fish kills with estimates of over one million fish dead. As I saw what little water still sat within the banks of the rivers of the Murray-Darling Basin, I could see the outer edges lined with dark brown murky water and hundreds upon hundreds of fish laying dead and stagnant. The fish kills were a direct result of low levels of dissolved oxygen, high water temperatures and no flow. These ecologically catastrophic events are emblematic of how colonisation and governmental mismanagement has wrought havoc on the Australian ecosystem. The Darling River has had 15 seas flow events since 2001, which means that the water within the river itself is so low that it does not flow and sits to be evaporated and has dramatically reduced oxygen levels, making it unsustainable for the life within it. With the added impact of drought and the changes brought about by climate change induced heat, heat waves, bushfires, the reduction of native flora and fauna and water shortages, it's no wonder this waterway is suffering in a devastating way. Native species are threatened, including fish like the Murray Cod, Golden Perch and Bony Brim. A reduction of plant life also means a reduction of the bird life in this region. The fact that, despite some rain falling recently, the river on my country and the broader Murray-Darling Basin is in a state of crisis and ecological distress. So when I think about water and write or speak about its beauty, how intrinsic it is to life and country and culture, I can't simply express it without the purpose and call to action that is so desperately needed to protect water and the life it sustains from destruction, from desertion of decency and history for corporate interests and for our children who deserve to practice culture and country. Water is life. Let it sustain you so you can fight alongside us to sustain it. Thank you, Natalie. Next, we have Hiniani Roberts. My name is Hiniani. I'm a media artist living and working on the lands of the Wurundjeri. I live along the Mary Creek, just downstream from a place where a big mob of around 800 people once lived. This place used to be full of murnong and native parsnip crops, fresh fish. And I think about those families who lived here for thousands of years before me and what it might have been like for them to be moved away up to Corrindirk in Hillsville when Melbourne was settled by colonisation. I have deep respect for the elders and kaitiaki, 
the spiritual guardian of this land, their ancestors and their descendants. Sovereignty was never ceded and I acknowledge that I am a Manahiri, a visitor here, living in exile from my own Manafenua in Aotearoa. I am recording today from the banks of that Merry Creek and pay my respects to her also for the fresh water that has flowed so generously into this gully and given life for thousands of years and continues to flow around housing estates, factories and plastic islands of urban waste. We ride our bikes and walk our dogs past the Oscar trees oblivious to your history. My undersized house is spilling over with teenagers and dogs and creative projects tucked up into all available corners. I mostly work from a small silver laptop and the quietest room I can find, so I have moved down to the river to record today. There is an old grandfather tree in front of me which has just started to flower, and a community garden where I can see a small group of people harvesting the last of the season's broad beans. For Vignettes by EWF, I'm going to read a piece written while emerging from seven months of COVID pandemic restrictions, where I've been unable to travel more than five kilometres from my home to visit the ocean. You can connect with me and find out more about my work on Instagram at studioboilup, studio.boil underscore up. My ancestors came from salt water. Their tears cried me into an unknown future. My mother's body filling up with salty water for me to grow in, filling and swelling until she burst open brine spilling onto the hospital floor, wet and screaming. Because of them, the ocean lives inside me. I can taste the salt of my sweat on tear-stained cheeks, lick my fingers. My people say that water is their country, boats the islands, theirs the biggest on this blue planet. They were here before the land. My father was a fisherman, He lived where the dull, sandy foam washes ashore, bringing gifts of driftwood, sour-smelling seaweed and dead, sodden birds for the scavengers to pick apart. Pecked bones and eyeballs, rotting flesh unrecognisable. The beach is not beautiful for everyone. He built me a boat from the driftwood so that I could sail backwards in time and left me directions written in the sand. He said it was the salt that made my hair curl like the waves. My mother cut my hair too short. Too hard to comb, too tangled, too messy. It's easier this way. And the tide rose with her words and washed the sand away. Don't swim out too far, girls. She was frightened of the water. My placenta was put in a contaminated waste bag and my mother's blood washed clean with disinfectant. We moved far away from the sea to red brick suburbs and barking dogs and supermarkets with no air conditioning. If I'm the ocean, why am I drowning? 
Waves crash into deserts in my sleep. I dream I am swimming, but I wake choking on sand instead. Dry heat and confusion. Headache in the back of my neck, the cat scratching at the back of the door. No one can sleep in this heat. And a sweet moment of loving you is like the reprieve of an ice cube run down the back of my spine. You remind me of him, standing there in your sunglasses, but you can't come where I'm going in my driftwood boat. My father's arms were strong and brown, lifting my broken body the day I fell from the fence. I had caught two flatheads and was pretending I was a seagull. Head cracked open, vomit-stained cement, a limp fish gulping for air. The wounds oozed clear fluid for a week. Mum washed them in salt water to get them to heal. What makes the waves curl like my hair, Papa? It's the tears of Ranganui. But why is Rangi crying? Because he lost his love to the embrace of another. How do we let go of the things we love? Life turning like tides, never still, ever shifting. Sometimes I'm those rotten birds being pulled to pieces on the shoreline. Sometimes the shore itself. My father taught me to swim in deep water. How to sit on sharp rocks and suck the yellow creamed eggs warm and raw from the belly of Kina. He could turn into a fish himself, or a sea monster, or an evening rainstorm, or the closing hour man going to clean bent cigarette butts and spilled beer off the pub floor at 1am. Always raisins in his pockets and fish scales on his boots. The day he died, he turned into a fish one final time, lungs filling up with water. He swam away from me. I let my hair grow long now and never comb it. You like it that way and say it reminds you of instant noodles and waking up together in the back of your van and something from your childhood or maybe before your childhood, a shadow you can't find in the back of your mind. Your tide is coming in while mine is running out. Our grandmothers would giggle at us now. They reach forwards towards us from that small town on the east coast where mine bought sugar and tea from the shop your grandfather built. I drag the driftwood boat from its high ground across the seaweed, dried and sharp slicing skin on my bare feet. The bone hook I wear around my neck becomes the anchor. Strips of flax and woven stories my sail. A black and white dog runs at my feet, drenched, sandy, fur. He lifts his head to smell the salt in the breeze, lips curled. Does he see all those generations standing behind me? Is that why he barks at nothing in the air? Does he know that even though I am alone, I can never be lost when out at sea? Thanks, Hiniani. And now we have Nikki Vivica. Hi, I'm Nikki Vivica. I'm a 
Comedian, a poet and actress and a burlesque performer based in Melbourne on Wurundjeri country. Um, I'm actually recording these sessions at a friend's house, uh, my friend Kitty's house. Say hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, which is down by the sea, which is appropriate because all through 2020 I wasn't able to get near the sea because um, it wasn't in my radius. So it's really nice to be here. I've always found water very calming, being around water very calming. Um, there's something about it which I find just soothes my spirit. In writing about water in my poetry, which I do a bit, I use it as an analogy for different things according to sort of different states of water. I think I'm drawn to it because of its fluidity and being uh, being a trans woman. There's something about um, the capacity for change in water which I find very, um, very resonant with me. Anyway, let's get into some of the poems. My first one today is called Why I Cried, watching David Attenborough. There is a species of oceanic dolphin known as the false killer whale. In Latin, Sudorca crassidens, which means false killer whale with fat teeth. Dear Sudorca crassidens, I don't think you're false. I see you. Maybe only on TV, in documentaries, but I see you and I respect you for the animal you are, and I think your teeth are fine. You are a valid whale. You are your own dolphin, and you deserve a name that is all your own, to not live by comparison to an orca who is better known just because they have a gig at SeaWorld. You are not a false killer whale, not some cut-rate free willy. You are a valid whale, and a genuine killer of squid and fish, And other dolphins too. Okay, I don't know about that specifically as a life choice. But it's your life. You do you. And don't be ashamed to claim your place in the marine food chain. Because you are a legitimate cetacean. A whale. Real and true. Do you not crest the same waves? Do you not sing in the same deep? Do you not do the thing where you blow air through your blowhole? You do. And the sea is for you as much as it is for any creature. I wonder if you see them. Tell the sperm whales they deserve better too. Dear Sudorka, you deserve a name that doesn't throw you shade. Because your life and your whaleness are not fake. And not even Attenborough's dulcet tones can tell you your identity is not your own. Yours sincerely, with love, for me. A woman. Um, so my second poem for today, which I'll be performing with the help of Kitty San Pedro, um, um, my musician friend who's here with me today, um, it's called Origin Story. It's about the goddess Aphrodite, who I used to pray to in secret for a long time. Um, anyway, here's the poem. My goddess was born of the sea foam, fully formed and fabulous, a woman from her first breath. Which is how I'd like you to think of me, too, as if I magically appeared through sheer force of beauty, already complete. 
ask about my childhood. I was barely in it. My adolescence, I threw it back. If you want to know how I came to be, look to the surge and the spray of the sea. Every wave a rebirth that carries no history. This has been the final episode of Season 2 of Vignettes from the Emerging Writers Festival. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this season, make sure you're subscribed so you can keep up with us when we bring you more wonderful readings from Emerging Writers. Before we go, the 2021 Festival is coming soon. As always, we'll be running in June this year from the 16th to the 26th. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted applications to appear in the festival. The program is up now on our website for you to check out, so head to emergingwritersfestival.org.au to view it in all its glory. This podcast was produced by EWF Program Coordinator Millie Bayliss. Our audio producer is John Chia, and our theme music was created by Two Care. You can find out more about the team behind this podcast and the artists featured in this episode on the EWF website. This podcast was created and edited on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that First Nations peoples are the first storytellers of this land and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and to the Elders of the lands that this podcast reaches. It always was, always will be, Aboriginal land.